Good morning. I'm so glad to follow up with this third part of functional faith. And as we talked about last week, functional faith is um, this training and aligning your habits for the encounters and activities of our real life as opposed to uh, the confined and structured system like we set up in a gym uh, that allows us to maybe do things that we can't ordinarily do in our real life. And my hope is that as we walk through this series that we develop some really strong faith that allows us to have faith for real life encounters, real life activities, the things that we're going to need that, that help us get through just everyday life without having to have certain circumstances because we, we can't spend every day in church or surrounded by all the people that we are normally surrounded by in church. We also talked about the fact that our response to God's word is, is extremely important. Uh, our response to God's Word actually determines your relationship with God and others. Uh, we can't overlook the importance that God wants us to have a strong relationship with Him, and He wants us to have a strong relationship with other people. And that's part of the training and aligning that we have to get back into the habit of doing where there's a, a pretty uh, larger growing trend these days where people are disconnected from other people, disconnected from prayer, that we find ourselves just going it alone, and that is not good functional faith. We also talked about the fact that our spiritual growth depends on our commitment to God's Word. So not only is our response to God's Word, not just hearing it, but actually doing it, uh, very important for your relationship, but our spiritual growth depends on our commitment to it. We're going to find passages in God's Word that uh, maybe we don't understand, and even the ones that we do understand, we find that maybe we don't like because it requires change, and it's going to be a struggle for us, but we also have to be committed to it that if we really want the life that God has for us, that we have to be people that continue to grow spiritually throughout our lives despite where we're at so that we don't hit stagnant points and we don't look back and say, oh, I used to do that or I used to do this because we never get to the point where we don't need more of God and we don't need spiritual growth. But we have to be committed to God's word, not, not a cultural influence not even a denominational stance or, or even what a pastor or a church tells you. And, and, and I'll also say I'm glad you're here in church this morning, but we need to be people that are committed to God's Word. And, and we're going to do our best here at New Life to make sure that what we're teaching, what we preach, the, the manner in which we live out our faith is uh, through the lens of God's Word, not just some practical system, but it's actually upholding, honoring God's Word. So so let's jump into this this morning, and um, we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, specifically verses 2 through 4. At the beginning, uh, Paul explains that uh, he's he's found this young man, Timothy, that he's trying to uh, download some really great information to because Timothy's new to all this. Timothy is young and Timothy is uh, uh, launching out into the ministry and he's very much like you and I. And so um, this is what he says to him in verses two through four. He says, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. 
Now we'll stop right there for just a second because we see in here there's some important things that part of my job, part of my role is that I'm supposed to teach things that have already been confirmed. So if you're wondering how do these things get confirmed, let's go back to the Gospels. We can we can look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and so many other of these events and these actual people that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, heard what he said, saw what he did, and those would be reliable witnesses. And so this is not some made-up story. This is not some pop psychology. We have all of these things for our benefit that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. And part of my role for you and also part of your role is to teach these truths to other trustworthy people so that they get passed along. That's part of what Jesus called making disciples, that we go out into the world and we teach them. Now, uh, it's not just for pastors, it's for everybody, is we should teach people how did we manage up to this point? How did we get through this difficulty? How did we find a way to get saved? How did we find a way to commit ourselves to God's Word? And and so on and so forth. And and I know there's not a, a one, two, three steps in all this because it's just impossible to do that. The reality is we have to be people that accept the truths that the Bible has given us. And it's also our job to pass these truths along to other people. Now, what I find interesting is in verse three, as he's trying to uh, get Timothy set up for a life of faith and a life of trusting God, is that verse 3 doesn't start out saying, don't you know that God's got this incredible plan for you? Everything's going to be okay. It's all going to work out just right, and you're not going to have any worries. He also doesn't say the goal of Christianity is, hey, that you're supposed to be blessed or that you're supposed to make lots of money or that you're supposed to be pain-free or problem-free or, or, hey, it's just about making it to heaven. That is not what he told him at all. In fact, he starts out up front with what really needs to happen for all of us is that we need the template set at what Jesus' main point of what he's leading us into. In our world today, we have a Christianity, especially in the the Western part of the world, and especially the West Coast of the Western world, is that we're ruggedly individual, and we just want to do things for ourselves, by ourselves, and we don't feel like we need anybody to help us, and or the only purpose that we're doing something is for ourselves. And this runs contrary to Scripture on so many different levels. We don't have time to discuss it right here, but... The reality is that we have people that are engaging Christianity that's all about self-fulfillment instead of realizing that the scripture, Jesus Christ, through all the disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them, have said something very different. Instead of, hey, advance yourself, take care of yourself, make sure you get a blessing, it says weird things like lay down your life. It says crazy things like come and die. And that rubs up against us. It's it's an assault on our sense of selfishness and entitlement that we have just by being Americans. And so what he, what he starts out with here with Timothy is what I believe we have to understand. And this is what he says. He says, endure suffering along with me. And Paul was no stranger to suffering. He knew exactly what that meant. In fact, he's, he's writing to Timothy from uh, an imprisoned state. And and so he's telling him, hey, there's going to be some suffering along the way. 
part of that suffering is not just physical suffering, but for all of us to lay down our agendas, to lay down our stuff, to, to start again, to realize, hey, I haven't attained what I'm going to attain. And there's suffering and just changing to become the person that Christ expects us to be. That's, that's some of that suffering. Just like going to the gym, it's, it's going to require something of you. And it's not easy. There's going to be some suffering and, and maybe not that all of a sudden it's like, you know, intense torture, but he doesn't say endure torture. He actually says this suffering where there's this, there's this response that there's, there's resistance to this. He's like, I want you to endure this suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, he's not telling him to take up arms. He's not telling him to march on anything. He's not telling him to, to fight the government or fight anything. But he's just using this as an illustration so that you and I gain the benefit of understanding that just like a soldier, our mission is what is our priority. And what is our mission as Jesus Christ? It's not to make sure that we gain the most stuff and, and surplus material goods. And it's definitely not about finding the right parking place or getting the blessing. I I believe God can bless us, but that is not our mission. He says that we need to understand that just like in the military, they all wear a uniform. You know why they all wear a uniform? Because it's not about us individually. We all get the same haircut. We don't get to walk in and say, oh, just a little off the sides, or uh, I want a uniform that looks like this. There's no individuality. And yet, when I served, I had a name tag on my uniform. I still had a name. I was still a person. And each one of us, every one of you, it's vital that you are who you are, but you also have to understand that you're part of a bigger plan. And the bigger plan is the mission and the message of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about because he follows us up in verse 4 was it with a pretty bold statement saying uh, these good soldiers, and there's a difference between good and bad soldiers, these good soldiers, they don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. They understand that if they do that, then they can't please the one that's brought them in. And and let's make no mistake, Jesus Christ is our commander-in-chief. He is the one that's calling the shots. He's the one that's sending us on mission. And so he's helping us understand that if you're really going to follow God and see this, don't worry about your individual lives. He, he's already covered that many times in the early scriptures where he says, you know, you don't need to worry about this. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Just like in the military, they cover all that, but it may not be what you want. You may say, well, I don't like this kind of food and they're going to say yeah it's not about you well I don't like these uniforms well yeah it's not about you and that may sound offensive to you this morning but the gospel of Jesus Christ the kingdom of God it's not about you you're you're part of it and he loves you and he's he's redeemed you and he wants you to be his child but at the same time you are not the sole focus you're hang-ups and your insecurities and your drives and desires and ambitions. It's not his sole purpose. His sole purpose is that everybody gets the same opportunity as you, and that is that they are redeemed by the Savior Jesus Christ and begin to transform their lives through the renewing of your mind and through creating new habits and a new lifestyle so that you line up with him, and then we work together as a team. You see, when it's just about me, unit integrity breaks down. When it's It's just me forcing my rights and demanding to be heard and demanding this and that. That's not about team. That's not about the larger group of the church. That's selfishness. And we can't please 
the one who enlists us, Jesus Christ, if we don't understand that from the get-go, he's not calling us to blessing and prosperity and increased material goods. He's actually calling us to something to endure hardship, is what some of the variations say. We have to be ready for some hardship. So we have to understand that, again, it's it's not about trying to assert our our strong desire for our own independent and individual needs. We have to just trust God's going to take care of that. But here's three things that I think will help us as we as we learn this discipline. This is what will help guide us through that that training of hardship. And the first one is this: it's rest. I love that Jesus told us this. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, He says, "You come to me." all who are laborious, all who are heavy laden, or you've got a heavy load, and I will give you rest. And this is in stark contrast, especially to our American standard of how this works, is that when we need rest, we go on vacation. When we need rest, we, we stay at home and we binge watch. When we need rest, we, we decide to check out or, or we have to go someplace. And yet, many of us find that once you've gone on vacation, you've been running, 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 you do this, do that. You come back and now you need a vacation from your vacation. You're not anymore rested. You just went away and did some stuff. And Jesus understands that we need rest on all of those levels, on the physical level, on the emotional level, on the spiritual level. And that's really what he's saying here is he's like, if, if you want to know how to get that kind of rest, that, that doesn't mean sleep. I'm not talking about sleeping in and, and I'm not talking about lack of activity. But the reality is that I can give you rest if you'll come to me. And in our fast-paced world, this takes more spiritual discipline than ever because our modern technology has made us accessible all the time and we are rarely disconnected from our work, from our play, from our entertainment. And if we're not careful, we end up with a, a mindset and a lifestyle that that promotes barrenness because that busyness and barrenness will begin to go hand in hand because we're so busy, we're not rested. We're so busy, we're not longer fruitful. We're so busy that we don't have time for God and we don't have time for people. And we get to that point and we have to understand we're too busy. And so Understand that rest doesn't just mean extra sleep, but having the peace of mind and spirit and, and not having the anxiety that comes with being rushed, rushed, rushed in, in all of the avenues of our lives. And so how do we find that rest? I, I would admonish you to carve out some time, maybe start with just five minutes, where you unplug. There's there's You're not listening to worship music. You're not watching a video. You're not reading a blog. You're, you're not even having your Bible op- open, maybe. But you just listen. And, and I think what's scary for so many people, especially for a, a, a culture that's coming up where we're so used to being plugged into everything, is that it it seems awkward. And I think somehow we're a little bit afraid that if we unplug and listen, that God will actually speak to us. And I'll tell you that he's not going to say, I can't believe and start with this judgment routine. But I think what even speaks to us more deeply and maybe causes a little more concern is in that small, still voice. What happens when God says, you know, where have you been? So good to to have this time with you, but man, it's been a long time since we talked. Why, why are you so anxious? Why are you so stressed? Why are you so tired? Didn't you know you could come to me and 
And I think that worries us a little bit. And that's why I think we have a, a whole generation and a whole cultural atmosphere of just being plugged in. And, and it keeps us isolated from the people around us. And I see this at the gym. I see this at the supermarket. Maybe you see this. People even driving. They get their ear pods in. And, and they're just they're listening to something. They may even be engaged in something, quote, spiritual. But they forgot that we're on the team together, that we're supposed to work with each other as human beings and be able to hear God so that he can guide and direct us. And so I think that this one uh, of the three that we're going to talk about today, if we can get this part right, I believe that if we can learn how to go to Jesus for rest, then the other ones will line up accordingly. Now, the second area of discipline that we have to, to look at today is also rejoicing. Philippians 4.4, 4, pretty interesting. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. In our hard times, yep. Through tragedies, yep. On our good days, yep. When everything falls apart, yep. And he doesn't mean that we have to be happy in it. But he is saying that we understand, we remember, the reason that we rejoice is because God is for us. God is with us. All the blessings and all of his faithfulness to us. And, and we can remember that in the midst of our, our trials and our valleys and, and all the mess of just everyday life. It's not that we're saying everything's great. That would be strange. But what he is saying, you can still rejoice, remembering that it's pointing towards God. But I also remind you that rejoicing or celebrating is not partying. And we see this in stark contrast where people are pushing the boundaries of this with, with every passing year from uh, a, a drunken state to uh, intoxication through drugs and other means. And, and, and partying uh, actually takes our, our focus away from our provider, away from God and and 1 Corinthians tells us this, again, Paul speaking to the church, he says, uh, whether you eat or drink, now we know we're going to do that, whether we eat or drink, whatever you do, that covers the whole scope of our lives, whatever you do, we should do it all for the glory of God. And I know this may sound outlandish this morning, but it's not some legalistic thing. Here's the reality. If you can go and party and get yourself sloppy drunk and glorify God, then I say go for it. But you know you can't. If you can get high and act like a fool and put other people's lives in your own life and health at risk and give God glory, then go for it. But I don't think that you can. And that's just one scripture, and there's many others that, that lead up to this about how we should be and what our witness is and what our lifestyle should be. And here's the reality. It's like everything that we should do, whatever we do, However we engage in these things, if, if you can handle alcohol and it's your social custom and, and you can stop after a drink or two, great. And you can give glory to God in doing that, then by all means. But the reality is we have to put everything that we do, all that we do through the filter of, is this going to be something that glorifies God or is it not? And if not, then it is my responsibility to abstain from it, just like we go back to Second Timothy where he's talking about this. Is there's lots of, of ways for soldiers to act, but there's certain things you've got to abstain from. You've got to stay out of that civilian lifestyle so that you can please your commanding officer. And that's what he's saying here too is yet you've got to be willing to give up some personal liberties because it's not about our constitutional rights or our state rights. It's about the fact that we have a kingdom that we're inheriting, that he gets to make the rules, and whether we're going to glorify him or not, honor him or not, is up to his standards, not our standards. 
So if we're not careful, we have to understand that rejoicing or celebrating, this can erode into gluttony, into drunkenness, into worshiping our sensual pleasures. And and we have to understand we can't separate it from the purpose of bringing glory to God. If we can do those things and bring glory to God, then fully engage in it, fully embrace it. We don't have to be people that don't know how to celebrate. We should be people that can celebrate wonderfully and show the world how to do this while maintaining our witness and while we glorify God. Now, lastly, there's the discipline of service. And this is a a huge one that I see because of of the first one we talked about of rest, where people feel so busy that uh, people left and right are just checking out of this at all that I don't have time to serve I, I, and, and, and I, or I won't serve or that, that's just not my thing. And, and yet, Colossians, again, Paul, speaking to a church, says we should work willingly at whatever we do. As though you were working for the Lord. Notice that again, we're going to glorify God in how we do things. And this is again, another verse saying that in how you work, the way that you work, the way that you serve, we should do it for like we're doing it for God rather than people. Now, the issue with this is it's a direct assault on our pride because it requires humility to serve somebody else. It requires that we humble ourselves before God. It requires that we, we actually see somebody in the role of need and that I'm going to stoop down to meet that need and we're going to put God and others first. And that's hard on our pride. That's hard on our egos. That's hard on our, our, our sense of, of worth if we're not sold out to Jesus Christ. And this is why we see more and more people uh, moving away from service and just attending. Now, Again, hear what I'm saying. God never told us to attend a church. He said that we're supposed to meet together and have fellowship with each other, love one another, forgive one another. Now, our American style of this is that we do meet together in a in one location. I get that. But that cannot be the beginning and end of our faith. We need the other people in our lives. We need the people that come alongside of us and we help meet their needs and they help meet our needs. And maybe you're saying this morning, you know, I don't have any needs. I'm doing it. Then you should be the person that knows how to celebrate and rejoice because of all that God's brought in your life. But it also doesn't exclude you from serving. In fact, because you've been blessed, you should be the person that serves others' needs because you do have the resources and the time. Jesus gave us that example. He said that he taught that the greatest people in the kingdom are those who serve. That's pretty amazing. He himself put that out to us, not just to wash people's feet, but that he didn't see that it was wrong or bad, even though he was God, to set aside that standard, to set aside that title, to set aside that part of himself, to serve people. And if Jesus sets that standard, then what excuse would we have to say, well, you know, I don't have time. Jesus was a very busy person. God gives every believer different gifts. First Peter 4.10 talks about this. He says God gives every believer different gifts for the purpose of serving one another. With your unique skill set, with the, the valuable thing that you are good at, and that uh, you, can't, you can't do things that you're not good at, 
God doesn't ask you to do that, but it also doesn't exclude you from doing anything. I believe that you've got a way to serve other people, and sometimes it's not on Sunday. Great, but our our service to God isn't just a Sunday-based service, just like our worship isn't a Sunday, just like our rest isn't Sunday, just like our rejoicing isn't Sunday. In fact, he says rejoice always, so Monday through Sunday. This is part of our lifestyle. We should be looking for opportunities to serve The question is, for those of us 30 and under, you do have the time. Facebook isn't your service. Attending church isn't your service. That's where I'm serving you. That's where the church is serving you. But what's your excuse? For those of us 40 to 60, yes, we're busy. Yes, we're in work mode. None of this excludes any of us because he doesn't say to serve unless you're busy. There's opportunities for us to serve, and it doesn't have to be an hour or a week-long project. And and sometimes we think, oh, we're just going to wait for that next outreach thing. But that's not what he's talking about. We have to see the needs of people. And when we start looking at people instead of as the problem but as our purpose, then I believe service comes hand in hand, and then we just get involved with where we see God already at work. And I'm thankful for our church that has so many outlets for this to both serve within the church and to serve within our community and also globally for mission trips and and service projects and, and all of that. But you don't get a free pass just because you're busy. And maybe since you're so busy, maybe that's the problem. You're busy with the wrong stuff. Most of that is not going to matter when we get to the other side. You see, serving also has a dark side as well. Is Serving can be done to meet my need. I love to do this, or, or I feel compelled to do this, or I feel guilty, so I'm going to do this. And, and that's not something that honors God. Uh, that's what I would call cannibal Christianity. And by that I mean this, cannibals like people too but they use them for their own fulfillment. And so when we use service as a means to meet our own fulfillment, it's truly not service. In fact, we've made something that should be service into something that's selfish. And so we have to find a way that humbles us, that actually meets a direct need. And and so for those of you wondering, well, I don't know what that could be, just pick a spot. We're, we're not called to specific areas of service. All you need to do is be able to see or hear a need. And then will I carve out the time? Will I make the margin in my life to go to that area to serve? Nursery may not be your thing, but you don't know because you've never done it. Being an usher or a greeter, it may not be your thing, but you don't know. You've never even tried it. And that would require you actually come to church early, that you're willing to serve. That You see what I'm saying? It is the ability for us to say, nobody should have to die for me to try to fill their spot. Nobody should have to crowbar me or pressure me. If I'm saved, if I'm in love with Jesus Christ, if I'm on mission, I should be looking for ways to serve instead of looking for areas to not serve. Do you know what happens to uh, soldiers and military, military personnel that seem to always find a way to get out of serving? They're considered cowards. They're considered malingerers, and they're considered somebody that's operating in a way that's unbecoming. Maybe it's the United States Marine Corps or whatever they're serving. They believe that their job is to serve just like us as Christians. Our job 
is to serve. But I also remind you that this is hinged upon your ability to rest and hear well from God, that if you're fully rested, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, I believe then it helps align ourselves, and then it's not such a hard transition to look at rest. But if you're go, 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 and you feel like you're burned out, you're never going to look for areas of service. But we've got to go back to asking ourselves, why am I not serving? Why am I not rejoicing? Jesus offers me rest. Why am I not turning to him for my rest? Why am I binge watching? Why am I calling in sick? Why do I need another vacation two weeks after I had my last vacation? Here's what God tells us. We've got to learn the discipline of rest and rejoicing and service. This is what he's called us to. And it's not easy. That's why it's discipline. Because these things require of us to lay down some of our pride, to learn some humility, to give honor to God, even in the times where it feels like things aren't going well. And so I want to admonish you this morning and encourage you this morning that if you haven't found that spot, or maybe maybe one or two of these, is you've already got this handled. Maybe you feel like you're well-rested, but you still feel like, ah, I'm not serving. I just pray that you would open your eyes and look for needs. Figure out, do I want to serve in our community? Do I want to serve our church? Or maybe you struggle with the rejoicing. You Maybe you're just a, an Eeyore type person that life happens and you're not so sure that you like it. That doesn't mean you can't rejoice. In fact, I believe it'll help to rejoice. It never helps to whine. It never helps to complain or to gather friends and complain and whine. It only makes you spiral down. You've got to be somebody that decides, hey, I'm going to break this cycle of this dark thought process and this depression and and this negative demeanor. And the next bad thing that happens, I'm going to rejoice anyways. I'm not going to say, thank God that I lost my job. But I'm going to say, God, I thank you that you're faithful, that I know I can trust you to find me another job. This is ways that we practice this and help this begin. Because guess what? All of us have to be newbies and rookies at one point. And, And if you're here this morning and you don't know how to do any of this, welcome to the club. Every one of us has to start somewhere. Just like at the gym, if you've never exercised before, if you've never been on a diet, you may not know where to start, and that's okay. The important thing is that you start. And so I want to pray specifically just for that rest portion this morning because I believe if we get that right, the others will fall into place. So let me pray for you this morning. Father God, we come to you knowing that you are a God that cares for us, that has relationship with you. God, that's why you say we can call you Father, God, because you care for us like children. So God, I pray that we would take advantage of this incredible benefit that Jesus has offered, that when we feel like we're overloaded, when we feel like we're just uh, sunk in, when it feels like we are just over the top with everything that's going on, help us, instead of following a pattern that we followed before or following the way that Americans usually act, God, help us to come to you. And it won't feel natural, and it may not feel normal, But Lord, help us to come to you so that we get the rest that we truly need because I believe you see what we truly need, not just what we think we need. We don't just need to stop work and get busy doing something else like vacation. We may need an actual set-aside time to just focus on you, to allow your spirit to refresh us, renew our minds, and refill us, Lord. So God, I pray for everybody here today that they will learn especially the spiritual discipline of rest in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
please remember life groups tonight. And if you haven't got part of a life group, you know, small groups are here not as a program. They're a way for us to build a relationship with God and others. So God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of your day.